Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, fill a bag, help feed families. This weekend is the annual Stamp Out Hunger Food Drive. We'll get details from the local chapter of the National Association of Letter Carriers. Plus, in our community and business spotlight this morning, from this week's Days of Caring to this weekend's first ever downtown chocolate tour, it's a busy spring season for the United Way of Hancock County. To your health this morning, atrial fibrillation is the most common heart rhythm disorder and women are at twice the risk of death from the condition, yet they are often misdiagnosed. And happening around town, Findlay Troop 312 hosting the first ever scout swap at St. Andrew's Church on Saturday. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Thursday, May 11th, 2023. So some amazing signs. The first things that you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. This certainly uh, falls under that category of uh, buzzworthy stories. Amazing science. Um, And this is doctors at Newcastle University in Great Britain. Several babies, it says here. I don't know how many. It says several babies uh, have been born with the DNA of three parents now you think that this is a scientific certainty that a child would have two parents mother and a father male and female uh come together and create a baby no in great britain newcastle university they have uh uh, they have conceived and birthed it says several babies and again i don't know how many but it says several babies with the DNA of three parents, uh, one father, two mothers. Uh, What they are using is a technique to help prevent parents from passing genetic diseases to their children. Uh, It is an in vitro technique that transfers genetic material from a carrier female egg into a donor donor female egg. And then the eggs are fertilized and carried to term. And say it can help get rid of mutations that a mother would otherwise pass on to her baby. Uh, this is particularly helpful in preventing uh, mitochondrial disease, which impacts one in 6,000 children. But can you try to, try to explain how, <laughs> I mean, we still uh, struggle with explaining same-sex relationship parenting uh, to kids. It Try to explain... That Johnny has two mommies and one daddy. He's got uh, three parents. DNA of three parents. That's crazy. Uh, let's see. What are some of the other uh, first things you need to know this morning? The most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. Um, we got the data yesterday that inflation is slowing. Uh, inflation continues to decelerate for a while it was runaway inflation. It was like 9 10%, and uh, it was just crazy. And year-over-year year inflation is much lower than uh, where we were you know, last year at this time. Still high. It's like uh, 4.5% or something like that. Still, still uh, much higher than we want it to be. But maybe you can take solace in this story. Americans apparently are not the only ones feeling the squeeze at the grocery store. Government officials in Italy have decided to take action. It's getting so bad. They're going to take action in Italy 
with respect to rising pasta prices. I mean, that is a national emergency in Italy, rising pasta prices. The cost of spaghetti is up 17.5% this year compared with last spring, this despite a decrease in the price of wheat. The Rapid Price Alert Commission of Italy, we need one of those in this country. I mean, that's just a great name, isn't it? The Rapid Price Alert Commission. (laughs) We need one of those. (laughs) Here's a memo from the Rapid Price Alert Commission. Apparently, they're going to meet today in Italy to to discuss a course of action because they've got to do something about rising pasta prices in Italy. One suggestion... Uh, that they have come up with to save money. They say, turn off the stove while cooking pasta. After the water has come to a boil, you can turn off the stove. I'm not sure how that's supposed to uh, lower the price of pasta, but uh, that's, they say. One chef there in uh, Italy, Italy, Luigi Pomata, called this tip, quote, a disaster. So, don't do that. But, uh, anyway, is the... (laughs) Rapid Price Alert Commission in Italy is going <laughs> to... They're on the case. going to fix it. Uh, let's see here. This I thought was kind of interesting. Um, and again, because that's what we do, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your uh, day started. Um, if, you, uh, if you struggle on Mondays, on the work week, you come back after the weekend, and Mondays are always... A struggle. They're always painful. Um, here is the solution. This is according to uh, some experts, business experts on Reddit, the online bulletin board. And I know this is Thursday, so we're a long way from Monday. But what I thought was interesting about this, uh, the advice that they offer on how to make Mondays less painful at work, the key is what you do, or rather you don't do, on Friday. So keep these things in mind, and uh, don't do these things. on. First of all, don't create problems for yourself on Friday, because those will carry over to Monday, because you'll worry about them all weekend. You'll be wringing your hands uh, on Saturday and Sunday, and so when you get to work on Monday, all of that nervousness... um, and uh, apprehension will manifest itself in a painful Monday. So be careful what you do on Friday. Don't launch a new feature. Don't send an urgent email uh, that you'll spend the entire weekend worrying about. Creating emergencies on Friday leads to working on Saturday or worrying on Saturday and on Sunday. And then, you know, it all comes comes out on Monday. Handle important business At the beginning of the week, if instead of doing something urgent, um, launching a new feature, you know, whatever, on Friday, hold that until Monday. Um, Instead of just closing your laptop on Friday, clean up your laptop on Friday. One uh, Redditor uh, says, on Friday, I do favors for future me. Friday is also a great time to start unwinding and spending time with loved ones, uh, friends, or even the uh, family pet. So so uh, take it easy on Friday. And I bring this up today because being Thursday, you can wrap up everything that you need to wrap up for the week today 
so you can take it easy on Friday, and that will make Mondays, they say, less painful. All right. So take that for what it's worth. I don't know how the boss would feel about, uh, you know, just kind of <laughs> being lazy on, on Fridays. But uh, that's what they say you can do to uh, make Mondays less painful. This is uh, kind of an interesting uh, story here, too. Um, I thought it was... I saw a piece... But I don't even remember. What is it? USA Today? Or was it the Wall Street Journal? I don't remember. Uh, anyway, saw a piece on uh, educators in this country have found that post-pandemic, with the kids coming back to school and the pandemic is over and we've you know, done all of the... We're through all of the remote learning and everything. Things are kind of getting back to normal. But... Um, one thing that educators have noticed is that uh, kids, teenagers, are even more absorbed in their devices. You know, they're the online universe. They're even more absorbed in this than they were before the pandemic. They spent so much time in lockdown and left to their own devices that they became even more, they, they went even deeper down that rabbit hole and uh, so many school districts are, are fighting back and trying to uh, restrict device usage even more and more deliberately than they did uh, before. They say it's actually gotten to be a, a bigger problem. With that in mind, the American Psychological Association now is advising that teenagers should be trained before going on social media. There should be a training regimen. Uh, This week, the American Psychological Association issued a set of 10 recommendations mainly aimed at parents, emphasizing that your teenagers should be taught Internet and social media literacy prior to being allowed to go on social media. The president of the organization, the APA, uh, Dr. Thelma, Thelma Bryant, compares it to getting a driver's license. They say before you allow your kids to go behind the wheel... Uh, young people need instruction to be safe and make healthy choices and, and so on. And the same applies here. Kind of an interesting idea. I don't know how you would, uh, I don't know how you would police that or how you would, you know, guarantee that. But that's what they recommend. A social media training session before allowing them on Facebook. I don't know. Kind of interesting. I guess uh, there's probably something to that. And speaking of technology, do this first thing this morning. This is the first thing you need to do this morning before you do anything else. Do it right now. Go to the settings in your mobile device and check on uh, the uh, emergency settings. Here's the reason. In Rock County, Wisconsin, they have a real problem. I don't know why it's such a problem in Rock County, Wisconsin, but that's the report here. The folks who answer 911 calls uh, have said yesterday, just yesterday, they saw over 580 butt dials of 911 from people's uh, mobile devices. 500. Have you ever butt dialed someone? You know, you, you stick your phone in your pocket and, uh, and the screen is not locked and through some strange confluence of events you call someone and you don't even realize you've called well there are uh, over the weekend um what is a yesterday oh between between the weekend and yesterday so since since the weekend 
through the middle of this past week. They say they've had, I was going to say 580 yesterday seems like a lot, but from the weekend uh, through yesterday, they've had 580 butt dials and 911 hang-up calls. Dispatchers say most are accidental, but they have to follow up on those calls anyway. Even when it seems obvious that it is accidental, they've got to follow up. They've got to dispatch an officer out there. I say one of the things that you can do if you accidentally call 911 is to uh, talk to the dispatcher and explain the mistake and reassure them that everything is okay. It's just a, you know, just an error. Um, but most people, you know, when you butt dial, you don't realize that you have done so and they get a call, they get a hang up, nobody says anything. So they've got to send an officer. It uh, creates a huge strain on resources, 580 of these, uh, hangups since the weekend. So they say, uh, what they really need to do, uh, is go into your phone, check your emergency settings, um, I don't know what settings to change because I'm not real versed in that, but I guess you know, look into that. That would be the first thing you need to do today. Do that today and uh, make sure that you are not contributing to the problem. Kind of interesting. One of the first things you know that need to know the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Thursday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Plenty of sunshine expected again today with a high around 80 increasing clouds tonight, low around 60. A ribbon cutting was held for some improvements that were made to Van Buren State Park. The upgrades are made possible by a $24,000 grant from the Finley-Hancock County Community Foundation. And we spoke with CEO Brian Treese after the ribbon cutting. When you look at our mission, it's to improve the quality of life for all in the community. And it's really important for us to look at access and making sure that places like Van Buren State Park can be accessible to as many people as possible. The improvements include a pollinator garden and sensory path, as well as improvements to a picnic area to make it accessible to everyone. See video of the upgrades with this story on our website. Wednesday was Ohio Tourism Day and the governor's office announcing that the state's going back to an old slogan to promote tourism. The state's tourism catchphrase, Ohio, find it here, is no more. DeWine announced it's being replaced with Ohio, the heart of it all. The heart of it all was Ohio's brand from the 1980s through 2001. But it still holds a special place in the hearts of so many Ohioans. DeWine says Ohio is the heart of opportunity, adventure, technology, family, education, and creativity. Dave James, ONN News. The city of Toledo is suing the Ohio EPA for not enforcing clean water standards on the area's mega farms. They say it's a necessary step after years of this toxic blue-green algae appearing in our waterways, making people ill and sometimes even shutting off tap water for thousands. Research has shown that the source of the algae comes from phosphorus in the fertilizer used by farms. And Commissioner Pete Gherkin makes clear they understand that using the fertilizer on land will always be an essential part of the agriculture community. However, he says 2019's Clean Water Act has been violated time and time again. WTOL 11's Michael Sandlin reporting. The city of Finley is reminding residents that several construction projects are underway throughout the city and that short delays are possible. Many of the projects are curb replacement projects. The status of some of the projects is weather and contractor schedule permitting. You can see a full list of those projects with this story on our website. Remember, you can always get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. Big, 
big event coming up this weekend. It is the annual Stamp Out Hunger Food Drive. A national program uh, being held on the local level where all of the uh, local donations stay local. Uh, Joining us this morning is Marta Withrow, the National Association of Letter Carriers Local 143 here in Finley. Marta, thanks very much for uh, dropping by. We certainly appreciate it. I got my I got my card in my mailbox the other day. So awesome! That was the plan. <laughs> so if you saw this, uh, maybe you have already uh, heard about this. The idea is very very simple. Yes. Just uh, fill a bag with non perishable food items and leave it out for the uh, letter carrier. Simple as that. Yeah, you just have your your non perishable food items out by your mailbox, visible from the street as early as you can. We kind of like 8 a.m., 9 a.m., so that way we can get some volunteers out there. Yeah, this is uh, this is the thing, and, and maybe this is the most important point to make, uh, regardless of when your letter carrier normally comes, uh, the earlier you can get this out, the better, because this can't be done just by the letter carriers alone. Correct. The letter carriers have, <laughs> have a job to do every day, and... We're adding a little extra to them, and they're okay with that because they're here to help the community also. But right. but any volunteers that we can get and the food, volunteering to put the food out, volunteering to drive around and pick up the food, yeah, that's what we're looking that's for. That's a lot of people that uh, make this happen. I mean, you, you think about it, I've, and, and I've always said, uh, if you really stop to think about the job that the letter carriers do on a daily basis, it's, it's pretty... Uh, pretty incredible. Visiting basically every house in the community right. every single day. Yep. So you're going to be doing that on Saturday, like yes. you normally would be. But then also collecting all of this stuff at the same time. Yeah. So and it, then if if anybody ever wants to just drop off the food to us to mm-hmm. save the letter carrier from having <laughs> to do it, that's an option too. You don't have to, but that's totally an option. We'll be behind Great Scott. So how does all of this come together? Because, again, like like we were alluding to, it's it's something that the letter carriers kind of take the lead, but you're not alone in, in doing this. It takes a lot of uh, folks to make this happen every year. Correct. This year we've, we've partnered with United Way of Hancock County, Spectrum of Finley, Deuce Designs Custom Boutique in downtown Finley made our T-shirts for us awesome. and did a wonderful job. Uh, West Ohio Food Bank, the City Mission, all of these people are donating their time and their resources to help this happen. So they're kind of uh, honorary letter carriers for a day in a, right. in a way yeah. uh, because they'll be uh, going around and, and helping to collect these uh, uh, these food donations uh, as well. Is there, and, and I don't mean to put you on the spot if you don't mm-hmm. have the uh, actual numbers, how much do you normally collect in a uh, drive like this? It's it's fluctuated so much since COVID. Yeah, COVID yeah. really took an impact yeah. on us. Mm-hmm. But it, yeah. nation, nationwide, it's it's over a billion pounds a we've collected. Billion with billion. a with a yes, B. With That's a B. big big uh, yes. difference uh, in terms of donations. And you mentioned COVID. Obviously, uh, as we all know, so many people uh, found themselves in need uh, during COVID. Really spotlighted Correct. the uh, issue of hunger and food insecurity. Yeah, the food insecurity in Finley is is not something that I feel like is talked about very often, mm-hmm. but it is something that's happening. Now, uh, there are some, I don't want to say rules, but some guidelines in terms of the types of things that you are looking for, right? Right. Non-perishable, mm-hmm. um, no glass. We don't prefer any glass because yeah. that stuff gets broken and that's right. a mess. Um, and not outdated. Yeah. 
so you just put it uh, by the uh, mailbox, and this could be in town. Uh, the rural carriers are Correct. participating as well. So yeah, if you have a, a mailbox where people drive up to it on the street, mm-hmm. where the carrier drives up to it, you can sit it out there. You can put it in the mailbox. Whatever, whatever the the person's comfortable with doing. Okay, um, and uh, the it, it, like we said, volunteers make this happen because uh, the letter carriers, uh, you know, do their part, but you right. know, volunteers are are necessary. You still have an opportunity for people to volunteer. If I do. They yes. want to. Yeah, if anybody would like to volunteer, just anytime between nine a.m. and three p.m., you can show up to the parking lot behind Great Scott. We'll okay. Tent set up, a big food truck. All right. Just come out, volunteer. Lunch is provided by AJ's Heavenly Pizza. So very good. Very good. Would like to volunteer. And then what happens after this uh, collection is, and again, the collection part of it is the monumental task uh, logistically for the NALC, right. uh, coordinating all of that. But then what happens uh, next? Because as we said, this is a national initiative yes. that happens every set- second Saturday in May. But the local donations stay local. They do, yes. So the West Ohio Food Bank takes all of the food that's collected down to Lima, and they go through it all, sort it, and then they bring it back to Hancock County and deliver it to all of the food banks and anybody who's who's needing it. And uh, so, again, it is happening on Saturday, and we highlight that you want to get that out for collection as early as possible. Yes. And also because, and I guess we should probably, uh, along the same lines, mention because the letter carriers have all of this extra stuff that they're going to be doing on Saturday, that the schedule of mail delivery and mail pickup may not be quite what it is. You might find I'm, somebody is a little uh, later than normal. Or I'm really like hoping that. to have enough volunteers that the mail <laughs> delivery can go on as planned and the letter carriers don't have that added stress yeah, on top of the mail. That, that would be great. But, uh, you know, it's one of those <laughs> things we always say, cut, cut yeah. your letter carrier a little slack this Saturday because there's an extra workload uh, yes. involved. But this is, uh, I, I know something that, everybody looks forward to at the same time it's a lot of work but it's something that everybody looks forward to yeah it's a great cause uh we've got a link up for more information on uh the uh, stamp out hunger food drive uh the national association of letter carriers and uh, local 143 putting this uh uh, together once again this year and marta withrow with us uh, this morning marta thanks very much for uh, dropping by and certainly best of luck with the uh, big project this weekend it's a lot of work yeah thanks chris thanks for having me now, the Good Mornings Community and Business Spotlight. Kelly McClurkin is here from the United Way of Hancock County. Big week for you folks because uh, first and foremost, you've got the uh, Days of Caring going on once again this week, right? That's right. It's a big week. <laughs> lots of volunteers throughout the county. When you say lots, you, we really mean lots. Record number. I'm I do. Since we've opened up from the pandemic, mm-hmm. the last few years we have had around 900 volunteers throughout wow. throughout the community. That's great. You know, the, maybe because of the pandemic, we realized uh, how important community is. Yeah, yeah. Um, that helps us extend our reach, you know. Talk a little bit about, for those who are not familiar with the Days of Caring, what it's all about. So it really is an oper- a, a, ven- a vehicle, I guess I should say, for small businesses and corporations to give their employees time during the work week mm-hmm. to get out and volunteer and put some hours into community service. 
and they will do that for all kinds of nonprofits. Yes, we we how that works is we kind of match up those teams of mm-hmm. volunteers with the nonprofit organizations. Some of them are partner agencies, and we extend it to all kinds of you know agencies throughout the county, mm-hmm. churches, um, even the city. We help out with some certain projects, and then we match up those teams with the projects. We have thirty nine organizations with over a hundred projects happening this week. And the dollar value of that volunteerism is, you know, we talk about different ways that we can help monetarily with these nonprofits. But this is just as important because this is money that they don't have to spend to hire somebody to come in and complete these projects. That's right. To put that in perspective, and that's the real story here, is these organizations can save that money that they would normally be even doing themselves or paying someone to do. Mm -hmm. And it saves them to put that back into their missions and their services for the community. This week, we, um, our volunteers are putting in over 3,600 service hours, which equates to over $140,000 of labor. Wow. That is saved in our community. Just think about that. Uh, you know, $140,000 value in just you know a few yeah. days, just like that. <laughs> exactly. So there's uh, something to be said. So kudos to everyone who's taking part in the Days of Caring. You also have a big event coming up on Saturday. This is a first-of-its-kind event. Yeah. So calling attention to this, and I think we mentioned it uh, last, uh, last time when you uh, spoke with uh, you folks at the United Way, but get some more information about this, the first chocolate uh, tour. Yes, um, calling all chocolate lovers. We, <laughs> this Saturday, May 13th, the Saturday before Mother's Day, mm-hmm. uh, from 10 to 2, we have 30 uh, establishments participating, retailers, restaurants, even a couple of restaurants from outside of downtown are pairing okay. up with some downtown organizations. And uh, one of our staff members, I think, described it best as an adult trick-or-treat. There so you go. there'll be little treats and goodies um, given away at each establishment, all proceeds going to our Vulnerable Children's Initiative. So how many restaurants uh, are involved? 30 retailers and restaurants. 30 retailers yeah, and restaurants. So <laughs> you can hit them all. You yeah. can hit as many as you uh, as you like. Yep. And uh, the tickets are for this are on sale now. Tickets are on sale now. Uh, there's social media posts with some QR codes to scan. Okay. Or you can go to uwhancock.org and... Uh, and One the, click. And this is a fundraiser for the Vulnerable Children's Initiative. Talk it a little is. bit about our, where the proceeds will go. Yeah, our Vulnerable Children's Initiative is really just um, supporting our partner agencies and their programs that involve getting kids um, on a better path in life mm-hmm. is basically the, the gist of our, our Vulnerable Children's Initiative. So certainly a most worthy cause. Uh, and... Again, it's a great opportunity to promote those businesses and restaurants, get people in the door, get a little extra something, and it be is. giving back at the same time. It it also happens to fall on Second Saturday, which um, Visit Finley has with the local downtown merchants. So it should be a beautiful Saturday to run around downtown, great for uh, your brunch friends, girlfriends, um, or even the mom who has everything. Absolutely. Saw some signs for the uh, chocolate tour uh, during Art Walk uh, this yeah. past weekend. And uh, if you saw those and wondered what it's all about, it's an initiative. Uh, it's a program of the United Way for the uh, Vulnerable Children's Initiative. And again, for tickets, where do we get those? UWHancock.org, or there's lots of social media posts with some QR codes to scan as Very well. good. Kelly McClurkin, again, from the United Way of Hancock County with us this morning. Kelly, thanks for dropping by. Thanks for having me.
The Community and Business Spotlight is a promotional advertisement paid for by the featured sponsor. To your health this morning, millions of women in the U.S. suffer from atrial fibrillation, AFib. It is the most common heart rhythm disorder, and in fact, women with AFib have twice the risk of death compared to men, but they are often misdiagnosed. Given that May is Women's Health Month, we are joined by electrophysiologist Dr. Uh, Samil Oza and AFib patient and patient advocate Kathy Foster. Dr. Oza, let me start with you. What What is AFib, first of all? And why is it that women are often misdiagnosed with this? Sure, Chris. Uh, atrial fibrillation is the most common heart rhythm disorder in human beings. Six million people in the United States suffer with atrial fibrillation currently, and that number is just going to grow. Uh, symptoms from atrial fibrillation can be from the obvious, such as your heart racing, uh, like a flip fish flopping around in your chest, skipping beats, uh, to something less obvious, like shortness of breath or just generalized fatigue. Uh, unfortunately, women tend to have the more atypical symptoms, such as shortness of breath and fatigue, which don't often uh, correlate to them seeking medical treatment. They attribute it to just getting older or anxiety or something like that. So mm-hmm. they don't they ignore their symptoms. They're taking care of their family. Uh, so they delay getting treatment. This not only uh, present, makes AFib present at a later stage in women, but also makes it a little harder to treat. Um, secondly, and more importantly, it increases their risk for stroke. Atrial fibrillation increases the risk for stroke five times the rate as somebody that doesn't have atrial fibrillation. So if you delay treatment, you're not on the proper medications that can actually lower that risk of stroke. Um, Their risk for stroke can be quite high. Uh, In the hospital, we often see patients present for the first time uh, with a stroke, and they never knew they had atrial fibrillation. Their diagnosis occurs at that time. So it's imperative that people really take this seriously and if they have any change in, in symptoms, such as I can't climb the stairs as, as quickly as I used to, or I can't walk as fast as I could before, or work out as, as hard, um, it's, it's really important that they don't just attribute it to you know the natural process yeah. of aging every time, and, and they, they at least get checked out. So based on that information that you just shared, if someone thinks that perhaps they uh, might be at risk or, uh, of, of having AFib, what would you recommend... What steps to uh, to take to receive care, and what are some of the options for medical care? So, uh, you know, there, there's obviously you want to start with your physician, so you want to mention it to your physician. Uh, the key is also going to be to diagnose uh, the, the atrial fibrillation, and there's a lot of things out there now that you can do from home, such as an Apple Watch. Uh, there's other monitoring technologies that you can have at home. You have to correlate the symptoms to a heart rhythm disorder, and these uh, these new technologies are able to do just that. Uh, if you want to learn more about uh, the, the symptoms and, and the causes of atrial fibrillation, there's a great website, getsmartaboutafib.com slash radio. That's a great website that not only tells you more information, but it can actually direct you to a specialist in your area that is, uh, is adept at treating atrial fibrillation. Um, the treatments include... Uh, are various. We have a lot of different options for patients now. Uh, there's many medications that we can use to try to, uh, to to decrease or eliminate the symptoms of atrial fibrillation. Uh, when those don't work or those uh, cause undue side effects in patients, we very quickly move on to catheter ablation. Uh, catheter ablation is uh, the the uh, the, uh, the procedure that Kathy had. Uh, it's a minimally invasive technique where we insert a tiny tube. Uh, through a vein in the leg, thread it up to the heart, just through an IV, 
thread it up to a heart and actually cauterize or eliminate tissue inside the heart that's responsible for the atrial fibrillation. So we get to the source of the problem, eliminate that tissue, and then the vast majority of people, that eliminates the abnormal uh, electrical conduction, restores normal rhythm, and alleviates the symptoms. Uh, once the procedure is complete, everything comes out of the heart, and the patient lays flat for a couple hours, and then they're able to go home usually the same day. So it's mm. a, a very... Uh, safe, effective pretty, treatment for atrial fibrillation. Pretty amazing. Uh, now, Kathy, I want to bring you into the conversation this year. As uh, Dr. Ozo has mentioned, a lot of times uh, patients will um, misinterpret the symptoms, not get uh, uh, diagnosed uh, early enough, not seek uh, diagnosis early enough. What were your symptoms and what led you to ultimately seek medical attention for what turned out to be your AFib condition? So for me, I was I was at lunch one day and left, and my heart just started racing. And uh, I thought, well, I just had too much caffeine in the tea I drank for yeah. lunch. Yeah. And all of a sudden, my Apple Watch is going off, telling me I have a high heart rate notification. And it really got kind of scary. So I, I was said, well, I already have a cardiologist, a general cardiologist, so I'm going to contact them immediately to get an appointment. So went in and was diagnosed with AFib. So was put on some medications to try to, to curb the symptoms, and they didn't work. So then I got referred to Dr. Oza, who's an electrophysiologist and specializing in AFib for further treatment. So we tried some uh, other medications, and I had some other medical complications going on at the time, and it, they, it just wasn't working. My AFib was getting worse, so we then did... Uh, decided to do the catheter ablation uh, to solve my AFib. And just as Dr. Oza said, I, you, you lay flat after the procedure for uh, a few hours and you go home. And for me, the AFib was gone. And yeah. it's been over three years now. Any, uh, any hesitation uh, about that uh, <laughs> treatment at all? Well, when I initially went and, and was diagnosed with AFib, the the cardiologist said, well, okay, so there's treatments such as there's different medications we can try, but in the end, you may need to have a catheter ablation. And I thought, well, I don't want to have anything done with my heart. That's pretty scary to yeah, have a procedure done exactly, with your heart. Exactly. Uh, I will do anything but have that. And so over time, you're talking to Dr. Oza, some getting more information like uh, from the website, getsmartaboutafib.com slash radio and talking. I also had a friend who had had the, the ablation procedure like 20 years before. And she said it was, it was amazing. It was, it was no big deal. She left the hospital and was back to normal uh, so quickly. And so upon all that, I felt much better. And I was also coming down to not many other options. Yeah. And it was really affecting my life so much that I couldn't I had to do something. Yeah. And I was so glad I did it. It literally was life changing for me. Dr. Oz. Turn back. Yeah, it, Dr. Oza, it, it sounds as though because this, uh, the catheter ablation is uh, such a uh, successful way of treating this, in some cases a, a permanent uh, treatment uh, for this, a solution for this, why is it not the first club out of the bag with respect to a treatment for AFib? That's a great question. It, it, it's uh, just the, the nature of uh, therapy. Um, it was new about 15 to 20 years ago, mm -hmm. and it gradually has moved towards that first line of therapy. It's probably not quite there yet. We still uh, at least recommend the patient try a medication, but 
if there's any issues with the medications, if they have any breakthrough, uh, which often you can with medications, uh, and it can often give you side effects that, that just don't make you feel great, we are very, very quick to uh, kind of shift gears and, and offer them an atrial fibrillation ablation. But yeah. we are moving in that direction. It just has to do with clinical trials and things like that that have to come first before we completely change our guidelines to uh, making that the first case, the first uh, Stage of treatment. As we mentioned, uh, May Women's Health Month, and given the fact that women with AFib have twice the risk of death uh, as compared to men, Kathy, what message would you send to others who may be going through some of what you went through? Well, I think first and foremost is seek treatment right away. Don't just don't just say, "Well, it's probably just anxiety, or it's probably this, yeah. or something else." Obviously, not self-diagnosing. Uh, but you need to get to a doctor and and ha- get the confirmation of it is something or it's not. Is it is it AFib? And then you know do your research, find out more, get with the right doctors, and uh, don't hesitate. So many so many people, so many women especially, uh, they are dependent on in in their their life raising children, going to work, uh, their families, and we often put ourselves last. Yeah. And in this case, you'll not hesitate. You need to really, you got to take care of it because, because, uh, you, your heart and risk of a stroke are very serious and time is of the essence. Again, uh, electrophysiologist, Dr. Uh, Samil Oza and, uh, AFib patient, patient advocate, Kathy Foster with us this morning, talking AFib in women. And Dr. Oza, you mentioned the website, uh, where folks can get more information, uh, throw that out there again. About AFib, spelled A-F-I-B dot com radio uh, forward slash radio. Get smart about AFib dot com slash radio. To your health this morning. Thank you both for uh, taking the time this morning. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. This is Good Mornings with Chris Oaks on thirteen thirty WFIN WFIN dot com and ninety five five FM. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. In a bizarre case of irony, uh, deputies in Kansas pulled over a suspected drunk driver who was dressed in a beer can costume on Cinco de Mayo. (laughs) Dressed in a beer can costume. Apparently, other motorists had alerted the police about the driver showing signs of impairment. And when the uh, motorist was pulled over, deputies were shocked to see him wearing a Bud Light can costume. (laughs) Uh, A Franklin County Sheriff's Office in a statement said, quote, a career in law enforcement is exciting and you get to experience something new every day. Sometimes you even see things that you can't believe. You know, we often say cops have, have seen it all, but every now and then something new comes along. The uh, driver, whose name was not released, was arrested for uh, DUI and taken to jail. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how that went over with the other uh, with the other inmates. I don't know whether they uh, let him keep his beer can costume in jail. <laughs> all right. <clears throat> uh, let's see. That's going all in on your costume. You know, that's that's going all in. Uh, speaking of, uh, driving and bizarre things, uh, that, uh, sometimes you see on the road, uh, two kids are in pretty big trouble after they crashed their parents' car. 
Uh, I don't have the names because the names were uh, were withheld because the uh, suspects in this car theft are underage, dramatically underage. Uh, one is six and the other is three years old. Uh, two brothers, age six and three, snuck out of the family's home uh, late Wednesday night when their mother was distracted and uh, their father was asleep. And uh, the... The six-year-old was the one who was driving, you know, because he's older. (laughs) Um, Mom and dad's uh, car hit a lamppost. And so uh, police say the uh, older boy cut his chin. Uh, Neither was was seriously injured, though. Um, The reason why that the reason why they took mom and dad's car, uh, they wanted to buy a new toy car to go to the store buy a new toy car so that's (laughs) glad everybody is okay there uh what else is going on in the uh, broken news it's not very often we have celebrities in the broken news but this i think certainly qualifies uh bo jackson actually makes the uh, broken news this morning you know the old uh advertising slogan what was it for uh, for Nike? Bo knows baseball. Bo knows football. Bo knows this, that, and the other thing. One thing Bo apparently doesn't know is how to get rid of the hiccups. No kidding. Former NFL Major League Baseball star Bo Jackson uh, revealed uh, yesterday that he has had a case of the hiccups for nearly a year. He said he has tried all kinds of remedies, both conventional and unconventional, um, as a matter of fact, the most bizarre thing, he said the most bizarre thing he has done <laughs> to try and get rid of the hiccups was, and I don't know who told him to do this, sniffing the rear end of a porcupine. <clears throat> First of all, where do you find a porcupine to sniff the rear end of? Uh, and secondly, why in the world would you think that, that would rid you of the hiccups? But it didn't work. Uh, whatever, if you've ever, <laughs> if you've ever heard, I've never heard of Sniffing the end of a porcupine to get rid of the hiccups um, might might cause you all kinds of problems, but not getting rid of the hiccups. Anyway, um, <laughs> Bo Jackson said he is having a procedure done, a medical procedure done this week, but did not provide any details. Hiccups for a year—that's crazy. Uh, let's see from the international file, the broken news: a a man in the UK. Uh, is uh, facing charges of public indecency. Joshua Hunt, age 31, was reportedly arrested after he was seen gyrating on the ground while wearing a latex bondage suit with a shiny mask over his head. gyrating in uh, on the ground wearing a latex bondage suit and a mask. Uh, this is a report in the Guardian uh, newspaper. The uh, incident was captured on video by witnesses because you see something like that, you got to take a video. Uh, in a separate incident, in a separate but what could be a related incident, a female motorist reported that someone wearing a black bondage suit had jumped out in front of her car uh, at, at midnight, uh, Mr. Hunt was found nearby and arrested. Uh, they allegedly found a knife 
in his possession as well. So he's been charged with possession of a deadly weapon. Uh, the defendant also has been arrested on suspicion of causing a public nuisance last October. So this is not his first run-in. Whether he was wearing his bondage suit and mask at that time, I don't know. The uh, the man, uh, Mr. Hunt, was uh, remanded into custody, and the case has been committed to the Bristol Crown Court for trial. <laughs> should Should be an interesting trial, I would think. And finally, in the broken news this morning, where was the other one? Oh, here it is. Uh, this is a terrific story. I love this story. You might have heard about this. A man in California uh, is uh, being hailed a hero after he left his job interview to rescue a baby in a runaway stroller. Ron Nessman has uh, had a rough go of it recently. His uh, fiance passed away. And uh, he's been struggling to adjust. He'd been unemployed. He at one time uh, was homeless and uh, really a downward spiral after his uh, fiance passed away. But he's now trying to get back on his feet. He's, uh, his sister has taken him, in, taken him in, cleaned up. He's trying to get a job. He was applying for a dishwashing job at a local Applebee's restaurant near Los Angeles. And no sooner had he left his job interview... Um, he was sitting on a bench in the park and noticed a baby stroller being pushed by high winds toward a busy street. A viral video shows the baby's great aunt struggling to catch up with the runaway stroller. And, uh, that's when Mr. Nessman jumped up, ran out and grabbed the stroller just as it reached the street before the uh, stroller with the baby inside could be injured. A few days later, Mr. Nessman got the job at Applebee's, and since the video has gone viral, he's reportedly been getting a number of other job offers as well. That is awesome. All kinds of kudos to uh, this gentleman, Ron Nessman, for uh, jumping in and, and saving the day. And kudos to him for getting his life together, getting back on his feet. Wish him all the success in the world. There you go. Uh, That is today's Broken News Report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the headlines. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. When you're behind the wheel, it's okay to rock out to your music. But it's not okay to interact with your phone screen and electronic devices while driving. In most cases, anything more than a single touch or swipe is against the law. That means no texting, no typing, no scrolling, no shopping, no browsing. If an officer sees a violation, they can pull you over. So remember, Ohio, phones down. It's the law. And now your daily download. The numbers behind the news, the statistics that shape our lives. Did you catch the Westminster Kennel Club dog show earlier this week? The uh, new best of show is a Petite Bassett Griffon Vendine <laughs> named Buddy Holly. It's a cute dog, but have you ever heard of this breed? I, I've never. Anyway, I, I don't know whether you watch the uh, dog show, any of those dog shows on TV. Um, it's just a collection of incredibly spoiled canines. And a new survey of 2,000 American dog owners finds that 60% of us 
uh, believe that we have the world's most spoiled dog. So you ask, who spoils their dog the most? Well, of the self-proclaimed generous pet parents, 66% of them have a herding dog, like an Australian Shepherd, a Border Collie, or a Corgi. Those are the ones that dog owners say are the most spoiled. 96% of those in the poll say they spoil their pets in a wide variety of ways. 37% in the poll actually said that they would trade their lives with their dog for a day. They would like to trade, switch spots with their dog for a day. 37%. And what would we do if we switched places with our dog for a day? Uh, the most common or the most popular things that we would do as a as a dog for a day, play all day, sleep in, and bark at strangers are <laughs> at the top of the list. So coming up this weekend, Findlay Troop 312 is going to host, host the first ever Scout Swap at St. Andrew's Church. And I love this idea. Uh, for scout families and really the entire community to buy, sell, and swap all kinds of scout gear and outdoor equipment. And the entire community is invited to uh, take part. In case you missed it on the program a couple of weeks ago, Justin Gray from Troop 312 joined us in the studio with more details on the first ever Scout Swap. We are putting on this event on May 13th, and we do think it's one of the first in the area. Yeah. Um, it's a, a swap, but also an opportunity to buy, sell, and trade camping and hiking gear. And you'll be doing all of this. Um, again, the, the selling part uh, is a bit of a fundraiser uh, for, the, uh, for the troop for some of the summer uh, activities, I understand, right? Yeah. Yep. So, um, you know, the purpose of the uh, event is to allow scouts and their families in the area to swap um, uniforms, Right. Apparel. So, I mean, you know, the scouts grow up so fast they and they might grow out grow of things. Out of that, yeah. uh, or you might have a, a scout who's looking to get into, a, a mm-hmm. child looking to get into scouting. Um, so an opportunity to swap gear. And, and especially for a family that, I mean, these things can add up. And uh, so the opportunity to uh, maybe get in at maybe a lower price point. Yeah. 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 So. And, and certainly there's, uh, you know, an avenue for new gear too because it mm-hmm. does wear out. But, right. you know. When you go camping, you may need camping pants, sure. different types of uniforms. Right. So uh, with, with all the scouts in the area, it is very popular in Northwest Ohio. We felt mm-hmm. you know, this is a good opportunity to bring those families together. Yeah. So uh, how will all of this work? Go uh, give us all of the sure. details on this. Sure. So there's several ways that people can participate. So it's open to you know, scouts and their families to, to do swapping. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also open to members of the community to... Um, buy camping and hiking equipment because you know there's a lot of overlap yeah, it's in not it's, it's not just scouts, not who, just scouts. Uh, who camp and hike and do all of those yeah. outdoor things yeah, so, so we thought it was a great way to bring together members of the community and scouts mm-hmm. um, which we always like doing it's a lot of fun to put on events like that sure. so um you know members or, or members of the community or scout families can rent a table for ten dollars they can bring whatever they want that's sort of camping hiking scout related mm-hmm. um and then that will allow them to swap sell you know meet other camping hiking hiking enthusiasts however you want to do that um if you don't want to rent a table people can consign items 
to the troop, and the troop will sell on their behalf. They'll do the legwork. Yeah. yeah. So we're hoping that that gives the scouts some kind of real-world experience as well. Sure. Um, and it, it's a fundraising opportunity for the troops. So we're trying to raise some funds, and we thought this was a, a fun and novel way. Um, so the event is going to be at St. Andrew's Church okay. May 13th from 10 to 1. Things like old te- you know, tents, whether they might be new or, or old, because yeah. maybe you never used it, but or cots and sleeping bags, things like that. I just think it's uh, wonderful, again, to uh, include everybody, not just the scouts, because this is a universal thing. I mean, lots of folks uh, will get out into the great outdoors uh, different different ways. Um, again, the uh, scout swap itself is coming up on May 13th, yep. right? May 13th so. from 10 to 1, um, St. Andrews. And that's uh, in the gym there at, at yep. St. Andrews, yep. right? Yep. Okay. Again, like most things in scouting... It's not just the fundraising part of this or the, the swap for the for the scouts helping to plan all of this, get it organized, get all of the stuff uh, you know ready to be sold. And a lot of lessons uh, in there too. Yeah, so, certainly. You know, yeah. you know, one aspect of the event is to give scouts you know that type of experience. We're hoping that sure. they you know negotiate. You know, yeah. we really, I mean, the adults will certainly be there, mm-hmm. but uh, we're trying to have the scouts you know really help. Um, be interactive with the community, um, help putting that the whole organize thing. it, yeah. and really, you know, for the consignment portion, we're kind of hoping that they maybe learn a little bit of business skills as well. Sure, which we think is excellent. Absolutely, and everybody uh, is is welcome. So if you're hearing this and you think, hey, you know, want to do camping and hiking, and uh, there may be something uh, great for you and your family uh, there as well. So check that out again. Uh, Justin Gray with us this morning. Thanks very much for uh, dropping by. Thank we you appreciate. So much. It. And that will finish up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the program at our webpage. Our little corner of the World Wide Web is at goodmornings.net. So check us out online. Coming up tomorrow to finish up the week for National Nurses Day, we have a salute to the nurses of the U.S. military. Plus, we have a very special collection of recipes from Kyra's Kitchen for Mother's Day. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. Catch you back here tomorrow to finish up the week.